0: And this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinoff. We hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. If you're in New England, hopefully you are getting through the rain and the crappy weather and you're listening to this podcast instead. Lucky, lucky you. Lucky you. It's getting you out of the rain. Now, maybe you're on the way to work, you're doing something else, and you're just going to totally tune out the weather. And for you and the rest of the country, I hope you're enjoying the sun. Um, at any rate, uh, Connor, Ryan was on this episode, and uh, one thing that I, that. that I kept thinking about during the playoffs was how much tougher uh, the Atlantic division that the Bruins will be in next year, uh, how much tougher it'll, it'll be than in prior years. And I couldn't get that out of my head. And, and today seemed like a perfect episode or a perfect time to talk about, uh, to talk about that, because I think it's something that you're going to see a lot next year is there's going to be five legit teams, two of which were in the Stanley cup and all, and, and I think five of the top eight, uh, teams that are favored to win the cup next year are in the Bruins division, including the Bruins, by the way. So four others in the division, aside from the Bruins are have high odds for the Stanley cup. So definitely something to think about. Uh, we also got into Tarasenko talk, who's requested a trade. Would the Bruins be a fit? Is that a smart move? And then of course it wouldn't be the off season without a little bit of Jack Eichel talk. And he had a big interview last week with Fox 25 news here in Boston where he did say, yeah, I'd love to go back to Boston a little bit. So we get into that, and we do discuss the one way in which he can be traded to Boston, uh, and the return would not be a Pasternak or a McAvoy, so stay tuned for that. Before we get into the conversation, which was very good, I do want to first tell you about my good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is still the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is really the, fir- the, the, the main thing going right now, and you can track all the action. At Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA. The NHL's over, but you have the UFC, you have the MMA. Obviously, that McGregor fight the other night was nuts. Poirier with the big win. Uh, and you can also bet on soccer, uh, which just finished up as well. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up before the next pitch or the NBA final tip-off head on over to Online on your laptop or your mobile device and take advantage of that 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Come on, it's summertime. Get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, CLNS50 to get 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up?
1: Evan, doing well. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. You are just back from South Carolina. How was that? The food looked amazing.
1: It was lovely. Yes. I've been eating salads for the last couple of days to try to, uh, reacclimate my body after having just, uh, an absurd intake of, of butter and red meat and a whole bunch of stuff down there. So it, it, it takes a toll. Definitely. I don't know how you can live down there. I like you do two, three days of just going down to a lot of good restaurants, but adds up. So I've, I'm recovering back up here in a uh, beautiful Massachusetts where it's rained, I think, every day since I've gotten back. Um, so, but, but then I'm actually going back out on the road to Washington state in a couple of days. So I am, I'm am all over the place. Where in the world is Connor Ryan. Is going to be me, but we'll still have Bruins coverage all throughout this time.
0: And there we go. Yes. Uh, you are going to be everywhere at once. Uh, have you been to South Carolina before, right? That's how you knew about all those restaurants. Out of I have right? not.
1: No, no. I'm one of those guys who like does the, the vacation booking, like book the, uh, the plan and then I'm on just trip advisor for the next, like. Three weeks. That's kind of that that's kind of how I map out that stuff. I like to go in with a plan, so um, which usually if you go to a place like Charleston it means a whole bunch of like going on open table or resi or any of those places and reserving stuff in advance. Because if not, you're gonna be at Waffle House, which it's not a bad thing. I'm not gonna that's not terrible. <laughs> I'm not gonna besmirch the storied institution that is Waffle House, but you gotta do some plan in advance.
0: Yes. Oh yes. But that looked like a blast, especially the food. The food aspect I was of like, damn. Um, and then you mentioned the rain, the, for the people who don't live in New England, I guess you're kind of lucky in this situation. For the people who do, I know we ob- obviously have a lot of listeners who are from New England. The weather's sucked the past like two weeks. It's awful. Um, it's just rain all uh, raining right now. It's just going to keep raining. Um, so yeah, you didn't miss much while you were gone. I think you missed exactly nothing. You missed more rain. So hopefully the weather, uh, cleared itself up. Another thing that happened over the past week was I think you should leave season two came out. Uh, I don't know how many people listen. I don't know how many people uh, who listen watch that as well, but you should. It's e- it's an easy watch. It's not like seventeen minute episodes, two seasons, six episodes per um tremendous season. Loved it. Easiest thing to re- rewatch as well. Um, what what was your favorite of the sketches?
1: Oh wow, uh, I'm a big Carl Havoc guy. Uh, the problem is I need to like watch like an episode about five times for it to fully like imprint itself in my brain. Cause I remember the first season I watched, it was like, oh, this is pretty funny. This is quirky. And then it just slowly breaks down something like in your, your frontal lobe and then eventually it just becomes hysterical. So I have to watch it a couple more times, but I think Carl Havoc is a favorite so far, but there's a whole bunch of good ones this season. Maybe not as good as season one, but I got to give it some time, but there was still quite a few times where I was losing my, losing it.
0: Yeah, it's, you You hit it around right in the head. It takes a few rewatches. Um, like I, you know, when I first watched season two, I was like, well, it was funny, but like, it wasn't as great as maybe season one was. And I still don't think it was as good as season one, but I, but then you rewatch it a bunch and you see the memes on Twitter and you see like what the quotable things are. And every time you watch a sketch, you see something new and it's like, all right, this is hilarious. Yes. Uh, and I, I love that. Mine was probably Coffin Flop. I think that was, that was hilarious. That was genius. Um, so yeah, that was funny as well. I've been watching that a ton this weekend. That's something you can rewatch a thousand times. You said it came out the day you went out to South Carolina. You couldn't watch it on the plane because you'd be laughing too much. Yeah, I was can't be that laugh. guy on the plane. I wasn't gonna, gonna laugh like a lunatic.
1: Plane. Yeah, exactly. It was a, a eight a.m. flight. So I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna do that to a bunch of people. So as tempting <laughs> as it was, so it's a lot of self control to not like get to the hotel like post up and just watch like get, open up Netflix for a while, but opted not to.
0: Well, so anyways, something else that happened over the past week was there's a new Stanley Cup champion, and they're not new. It's the same one as last year. Can't be a lightning one. Uh, no surprise there. Boring series. Crappy series. Um, really was never close, ever. Uh, and and granted, we both picked the lightning to win. I don't think anyone thought the Canadians would actually do it. But I don't think... Any, it. We both said six. I thought the Canadians would put up a little more of a fight, and they really didn't. And it was just a boring series, and... Not the greatest way, uh, not the greatest thing for the league. But things are going to probably go back to normal next year, division wise, uh, and that's not great for your Boston Bruins. And I, not to say that it's not great, but it's you're fa- they're facing a much tougher division than they were two years ago, three years ago, where you know you go back to the the only two teams in the division who are really bums are the Sabers and the Red Wings. The Senators could be a spoiler, but then you have. You, the Maple Leafs, the Lightning, the Canadians, the Panthers. Five teams that all made the playoffs this year <clears throat> and could easily do it next season. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough. Um, you know, Obviously, it's going to depend on what goes on with the Bruins this offseason season, what they do. I think like on paper right now they're still in line to be at least a playoff, you know, uh, not not lock, I guess, based on the way the division is, but still a team that's going to punch a ticket to the playoffs. Um, how legit they are is going to depend on what they do to fix these holes, whether that's re-signing, you know, Craigie and in Hall, um, you know, adding, you know, bottom six depth or another legit top six winger. You have to shore up that decor, find a, a good plan in place for um, uh, the situation in net, but it's not going to be easy. It's not like we're, you know, we can go into a season. Like we usually did where it's like, all right, they're at least going to finish top four. Like, you know, you got to worry about the usual suspects, Tampa Bay, Toronto, but this year you've got that same, that same issue, right. Where, I mean, Tampa is going to probably lose some guys unless barring some, you know, Legion is disease outbreak and <laughs> everyone like has to win LTIR the entire year. Um, they're still going to be good though. They still, even if they like moved, four or five guys off that team. You still have like Andre Vasilevsky, who's enough to maybe we'll get you to the playoffs. Like you don't even need to say
0: you have to, you have to figure Coleman's gone. Tyler Johnson's probably gone, but the core is still intact. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and also Uh, again, this is a Tampa team that you look at the way they develop and draft, which is a sign of a good team. Like people want to hop about the cap gymnastics and all that stuff. But this is a team that every single year, I think we've talked about it before, but bring up like, Joe Schmo from, like, fucking Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, (laughs) who they took, like, in, like, the seventh round, and he becomes a legit player. Look who scored the Game 7 winner was uh, Colton. This random dude. Like, so, you know what? Next year, like, not to say that they're going to lose Coleman and a guy like Colton or, like, uh, Matthew Joseph is going to become, like, a 50-point guy, but they're probably going to be competent, solid NHL players. Like, that team, just the way they draft and develop is insane, not just in terms of, like, you know, the big-name, guys that, you know, weren't first rounders like uh, Kucherov and Point and finding those guys in the, you know, second round or what have you. But just these other like, you know, fourth, fifth round players that, you know, they may not be flashy players, but they end up being, you know, solid guys you can put into the mix. So they're still going to be great. Uh Then you got Toronto who, uh, you know, as much as maybe they could be in line for a bit of a change, you still got that same core. They still got that top six that... You know, they're still going to put up points. We don't know what the situation is going to be in net. Um, you know, maybe they move one of a Moner or a kneelander, but they get a, a, a legit defenseman in return. So they're still going by to be, by the
0: way, and, and they're still going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that's a, like that's a, that's a playoff team. I know everyone's like, Oh, it's the Leafs, you know, whatever. They're out in the first round. They're still getting to, the, they're still taking a playoff spot. Right? Yeah. And people kind of forget that.
1: And I, I think maybe the, the biggest. Issue or maybe the, the, the team that jumped itself into the ring that now becomes a legitimate issue because we knew going into this upcoming year that Toronto and Tampa Bay was going to be mixed, but it's Florida. Florida is going to be right up there too. They're a good team. Like, I, obviously I don't think people follow them as much, but that was a team that, um, you know, was on the wrong side of some bad breaks in that first round series. Maybe the only. Entertaining playoff series, or one of the few. It really, wasn't a, a thrilling uh, playoff round. But Florida and Tampa Bay was a great series, and Florida's a good team, man. Like they've got a lot of uh, you know franchise guys. You know, you got the Park Barkovs and, and what have you. Um, they have younger players who are stepping up. You know, as concerned as I think probably people are about um, Bobrovsky's contract, which looks dreadful. They've got their own kind of swayman, you know, in in Spencer Knight, who could, you know, go on a run this year for them and put them over the top. You know, they've got underrated guys like Mackenzie Wieger, who, like, could have probably gotten more steam as a Norris Trophy candidate. You know, he's a great player. Um, Great value pickups like, you know, Verhege, who is crazy this year. Dude looked like a legit top six guy. Um, So that's a team I think you have to look out for. That's a team that can, you know, score. They've got. Uh, solid guys on defense and they've got a, a young goalie who could take off. So that's a team that I think complicates things because even if you're, you finished third in, in the, you know, uh in the division uh behind, let's say Tampa and Toronto, you're still fine. You throw a floor into that mix. Who's probably barring something going haywire, a, a good chance to be a playoff lock. Then things get complicated where either you're fighting for that third seed or you're on the, you're teetering on the edge on the fourth seed, which, You've got, whether it's Montreal or another team like that, that complicates things as well.
0: And also the Panthers are going to get Ekblad back, who mm-hmm. is their guy on the back end. I think the Canadians thing is interesting because I think, again, they were 18th overall this year in the whole NHL. And a normal year, they probably wouldn't have even made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's still a good, we said this all throughout the playoffs. That's a good lineup. Like that lineup is and should be good. And you have to wonder, you know, with this post, he's their belt, Cole Coffey, a little more, um, what's the word? Comfortable in the NHL, yeah. yeah. You wonder if that's going to be another. T- you know, I could see the Canadians easily finishing outside of the playoffs next year, but I could easily see them in definitely in the playoffs and fighting the whole way and being a good team. Um, and they are still gonna have Price and Net, who maybe's re-energized after this Cup run. Um, so again, but I you mentioned it, it's still the Lightning, Maple Leafs, and Bruins. But the Panthers complicate things a lot. That's a team, again, that you didn't have to worry about before that now you do because, again, they're complete. Even if Bobrovsky sucks, they still have Spencer Knight, who we know probably won't suck. Um, And by the way, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, what do you think, the Bruins aren't a playoff team? No, I think the Bruins are a playoff team. But I think it's going to be a tougher road than you're used to where, you know, the past bunch of years, it was always you're in. You know you're you're set. You're in the playoffs. It's just a matter of who you're going to play in the first round: the wild card or the Maple Leafs. Um, but next year, I think it's much different. I don't think that there's a clear. You know, I, I again moves still have to be made. We still have to see what the Lightning end up doing, who the Bruins resign, what their deal is in net. But. I don't know if there's a set like one, two, three, four, uh, out of this group. I, 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 can't sit here right today and say, Oh, it's going to be the lightning and the Bruins and the Leafs and the Panthers, you know, cause again, the Panthers looked great in the regular season. I could easily see them jumping up to second, jumping up to first. Um, so I think it's, it's very open. Um, and that's not always amazing for the Bruins, uh, just given their age, given their hopes at a cup. Uh, but it's funny, uh, bet online just released the Stanley cup odds for next season. Uh, which always fun when people release the odds, uh, yes. but, like the day after the the cup ends or a championship ends, the odds come out for next season immediately. Um, and the avalanche have the best odds. Then the golden Knights, then the lightning, then the hurricanes, which is going to be interesting. They could lose their number one defenseman. They could, you know, mm-hmm. who knows what happens in net, uh, but they're fourth. And then the Bruins are fifth. Bruins are fifth best odds, 14 to one tied with the Maple Leafs at 14 to one. Uh, and then, for those keeping score at home, the Panthers and the Canadians. So in the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, the top eight odds for the next year Stanley Cup, five of them are in your division. Uh, would you put the Bruins as high as fifth?
1: Um, I I think they're in that tier. It just all depends on what they do this offseason. I mean, it's just status quo, and it's like another one of like let's try the young kids. Then I think you would have right to drop them because. We've seen what this current core can bring you, which is a, at least a second round appearance, you know, at a great regular season. But you need legit NHL guys to put that group over the top. So if they go out and get a, you know, legit top pairing defenseman, add another one or two guys on the blue line, like a McCabe or an Alexiak, um, get a legit middle six winger, a guy that could either play with Krejci or, you know, be an elite third line guy with, with coil, whether that's a Coleman or a, even like a Thomas Hittar or, or anything like that. Um, there's a whole bunch of moves the Bruins need to make. And that also includes, you know, revamping fourth, lo- fourth line, finding what they do in net, which like, if you go into the year with, let's say you sign Rask, waiting for him to return and you do go with swingman of Ladar, a lot of risk there, a lot of intrigue, but also, you know, it's not, uh, probably the most stable environment to go into the season with, but, if you check off some of those boxes on the off season of, you know, let's say they get an Eckholm and uh, a Col- let's say they're like Eckholm and Coleman, uh, and you know, you add those guys to the mix. Then I think you have a good chance to feel pretty good about where you are. Are they the favorite? No, not, not even, you know, especially with Tampa, I think who, I think even losing guys is still going to be very good, but there's still a team that if they address these flaws that were fairly evident, especially in the playoffs, it wasn't like the Bruins lost, you know, it was a sum of all the pots. Like, you know, there was evident flaws on that team as to why they came up short against the Islanders. If you correct those and you still have this core in place that still plays at a high level, you're right in the mix, which at this point, at this stage in this, you know, cup contention window they have, it's kind of all you're you're looking for. Because once you punch your ticket, as we saw this past year, anything can happen, so...
0: Yeah, no, and I I agree. I think they're in the right spot, right area. I can't sit here and be like, oh, they should be fourth. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Uh, and the Islanders, by the way, are twenty to one odds. They are ninth. That's a team I. That's a team I might put money on. You know, yeah. twenty to one for the Islanders. That's, you know, put throw like twenty bucks on that. That's not a bad. Uh, that's not a bad little bet. They they always end up in the final four or in the in the final you know bunch. They could make a move this off season to kind of leapfrog everybody else. Wouldn't be surprised if they make some noise. Um, But speak, it's funny. One team that's not in the top 10 uh, for next year's odds is the the St. Louis blues and the St. Louis blues could see some turnover. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko uh, is requested to be uh, traded from, from the blues. You know, reported that uh, he was kind of pissed off and he get the captaincy pissed off about how they've treated his, uh, his, his, uh, his injuries. And uh, as when there's, Always a big player. It's would he be a fit for the Bruins? And Tarasenko is an odd one because Tarasenko, when healthy, is nasty. Tarasenko has got a nasty shot, lethal offensively, uh, would definitely fit somewhere in the Bruins' top six. But has really fallen on a lot of injury issues, especially the past uh, two years. Is this someone the Bruins should be looking at?
1: I tend to think not. And I, I, there's one thing where there's obviously the injury risk. I think mean, he's had three shoulder surgeries, which is not great. And when he came back last year at the tail end, uh, for a little bit with the Blues, wasn't, didn't look that great, you know. So there's that obvious part of it is the risk of, all right, you're dealing for a guy that you're hoping is a 30 goal, 70 point guy, which if he's that on this team, Hell yeah. That's great. That's that, you know, put him with Craigie and Hall, which holy crap, that's a, that's a top, that's a first line. In most of the teams.
0: Yeah. Move, that is move, the first line. <laughs> yeah, you,
1: you move Craig Smith down with Coyle who hopefully will be healthier after undergoing uh, off season knee surgery. And you got something cooking there. That'd be great. But there's no guarantee that he's going to be that guy. You know, if he's a a guy that one, maybe he just injured the whole year, which is dreadful, but even if he's healthy and he plays, 75 games and he's 15 goals and 40 points it's not what you traded for this guy for so there's that risk that being said like there's also the 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 situation the Bruins are in where they've got maybe one maybe two more years of legit contention so this is kind of the time you have to roll the dice and if it's a gamble you have to take it what more do you have to lose at this point right like we saw what Tampa Bay did and as much as people want to again complain about their cap shenanigans what have you that was a team that I think you look back on now it's like you got to give them credit for being like hey this is our our window we're losing a bunch of guys let's kick everyone's teeth in like fuck this why 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 are we waiting let's let's do something about it so if you're the Bruins maybe it's a risk you have to take in terms of you know It's not oftentimes you have a guy who could be a 30 goal scorer up for grabs. So there's that per, that's, there's that component of it that I think you have to look at. But, um, I think maybe the biggest issue I have for it has to do with the contract because if he was available for five million, then you take that risk for sure. Seven and a half million, that's when things get tough, right? Because you've got a guy who you don't really know what you're going to get in him. You, you hope you know, but, um, and committing seven and a half million to that guy when you've got so many other issues to deal with, whether it's shoring up that that defense or uh, you know saving money for next year when Charlie McAvoy is due for a pay raise or, or what have you. Like, if you if you get Tarasenko right now, um, it could limit your chance to also be able to pay to get a guy like Alexiak or. Or, uh, or McCabe or take on other contracts really kind of round up that roster. So I think that's maybe the biggest concern for me is the contract more than anything because I think at this point, maybe it's a risk worth taking just because you desperately need, uh, a guy added to the mix to put this team over the top. But the contract, I think for me is the scariest part of it.
0: Yeah. And I also don't think you necessarily need that. As you said, you have have bigger needs. Like if you didn't, if they didn't have Taylor Hall, then, yeah, I would say give Tarasenko a mm-hmm. shot. Like, that's a legit proven top six guy. You, only two years left at seven and a half. You'd take the chance, you know? But, again, they're going to be paying Taylor Hall a lot, most likely. Not seven and a half, I don't think. But, you know, in the five to six million dollar range long term, that's kind of your guy in that situation. And, again, I, I think it's better spent money if they take the seven and a half they'd want to give to Tarasenko and instead... Put that towards, as you said, Alexiak. Just defensemen. You know, put it towards the team end. Put it towards uh, bottom six guys. Put it towards depth scoring, because right now your top six works. Um, and again, you know, yeah, Tarasenko, Krejci, Hall sounds incredible, but is that worth it when your third and fourth lines aren't really helped a lot, and you know, you didn't do much on D, and you come back next season with a D core of Grusick McAvoy, Riley, Carlo, Lozon, and Miller, you know, and and that's like, again, they just need to be better depth wise. I don't think Tara Sanko should be top on the list. Now, I just remembered this because a lot of things happen. Last week, Jack Eichel sat down with an, with, a, with Sarah Underwood for an interview on Fox 25 News. And he was asked about playing in Boston. And he said, yeah, I mean, I think every kid grows up dreaming of playing for their hometown teams, <laughs> whether that happens now, later in my career. Whenever, who knows if it ever happens, it'd be pretty cool, but who knows what's, what's going to happen here in the next little bit. Uh, just what we needed, just what we needed to stoke those flames of Jack Eichel to Boston. Just perfect. Uh, now to put things into perspective, uh, Connor, let's say, uh, you got a job in uh, Colorado. Let's because. say you get a nice job out in Colorado, right? And someone says to you, how would you feel about going home? You know, you grew up in Boston. You grew up in Southie. You know, Boston's your home. You're a hometown guy. And so it says, how would you feel about going back to Boston and working at some point? Like, that'd be pretty cool. I'd love to go home. You know, family's there. And uh, Sullivan's is there. And, and uh, you know, the whole – everything's there. You know, the tea – you know, it'd be pretty cool. <laughs>
1: that's that's definitely what I referenced <laughs> first. I, I need to go home to go on this bootleg ass train service.
0: Train train service. The tea is what's in Boston. Charleston has beautiful restaurants. Boston has the tea. Yes. Um, but you would say, like, I'd love to go home at some point. That'd be pretty cool. That's kind of what Eichel was saying in the situation. But granted, I think if he, if things were going well in Buffalo, I don't think he would have said this. Right. But again, it continues to stoke the flames of Jack Eichel to Boston.
1: Of course. Which again, you're not getting unless you move McAvoy Posternock. So oh well. When
0: does no when does no movement clause? Next year. Uh, so next year. like
1: the only the only I think feasible way the Bruins could somehow get Jack Eichel is if the Sabres, who I can't imagine they would ever think this, uh view the fact that they're not getting good return on Eichel this trade not hold on to him and try to deal him next year when he's healthy. But I have to imagine they look at it and be like all right we know what's going to happen if we hold on to him that no moving clause comes in he's going to be like fuck you I only will go to Boston and which that place at that point you're kind of in a similar spot as like what Taylor Hall was with wanting to go to Boston where you're going to kill your value so do you move him now for probably a a lackluster all-them considered return to a team like Anaheim that you know bit you don't have the leverage in this situation because he's injured. So it's not like you're going to ask, I think, Anaheim for like Zagros and, and, you know, four other legit guys and a first-round pick and get it. You're probably going to get like half of that for a guy that costs $10 against the cap in a flat cap era and he's injured. So it's not a good spot if you're the Sabres. They're in a pretty shitty spot because I think you have to imagine they they know what's coming if they hold on to him for another year and try to recoup his value, which – would seem to be a logical thing if you're not in a rush to just blow it all up. But you look at what Eichel has said, you hear about kind of the stuff of, you know, how connected he is to Boston and how much leverage and no movement clause has, they've probably got to move him now. So, and if that's the case and and he doesn't have to say where he's going, the Bruins aren't going to be able to, I think, outmatch, even lesser returns that people are going to offer up because, even if it's not the hall that maybe we thought it could be a few years ago to get in where it's like, oh, you need legit NHL players going back, legit, you know, top 20, you know, league-wide prospects going. Even if it's not that, the Bruins still can't compete with, you know, uh, a Zagras or some, some other legit prospect. They just don't have that in their system, nor do they have guys on the NHL roster that they can part ways with that aren't key cogs on this team right now like a McAvoy. So... Barring Buffalo uh, holding on to him for another year, which I can't fathom they would do, then oh well.
0: Yeah, I mean that's really that's the thing. If they, if they did hold on to him though after yes. next season, I think Eichel to Boston would oh, make th- sense. Then then it changes that's,
1: quite a bit. If if they then, hold on to him next year, then it
0: becomes very real. Because but. you said it becomes the Taylor Hall negotiate. It becomes Taylor Hall stuff where he only kind of wants to go to Boston. Eichel only wants to go to Boston, um, and then you're giving up. You know a second, <laughs> yeah. you know, Jake DeBrusque and, you know, I don't even know prospect for Jack Eichel. And that's like, damn, you know, that's a haul. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a steal. So that, then that could happen. But up until then, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine if he goes to Southern California, whether that be the Kings or the ducks that he would want to leave after, yes. you know, a year. So it feels like once he goes, he goes, I don't foresee yeah. him being like a year with the Kings and being like, screw this. I'm, I want to go to Boston. Right. Um, but I also just, from my perspective, I mean, you go to the Kings or the Ducks, that's almost similar situations to Buffalo. It's just a way nicer place. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have some solid prospects coming up, but you have to think they could be going in return for Eichel. You know, a guy like Zagros could be going to uh, the Sabres. So it just feels like you're going into a losing situation again. Um, but I guess those teams have brighter futures and that's a nicer area and you get to see palm trees. and You're not stuck in Buffalo, New York. So maybe that's a positive. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a good thing, you know? So um, anyways, the Eichel stuff continues. It will continue all off season. I think people like it because it's fun. It's fun to imagine it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, and, it's, a, it's a good time.
1: And again, like, if they hold on to him, then it becomes very real. Then it gets very fun for us because, like, yes. I think right now you're looking at a 5% chance. Maybe the Bruins just mortgage, like, five first-round picks and somehow get him. I still don't think that's happening. But I'll give it, like, it's a four.
0: Boral, seven the brush three first-round picks.
1: Um, but I give it like a, a, a three to five percent chance of it right now. If you hold on to them for another year, Buffalo does, and that no movement clause kicks in, it bumps up to like 65, 70, 75. Like, it's like that the, dude, it's like that the
0: dude, snow day. It's like the snow day calculator. Remember when yes, we were kids and you yes. look on the internet, snow day calculator. Yep. Like right now, snow day for tomorrow is like. Or Snowdy for today is like, you know, three to 5% chance. It's not that high, but Snowdy mm-hmm. for tomorrow. Yes. Very high.
1: Exactly. So, so wait, wait it out a little bit more.
0: Yes. The Eichel stuff that we'll keep track of the Terrasanko stuff. Interested to see where Tarasenko goes. Yeah. Cause again, flat cap seven and a half million for an injured guy like him who, uh, you know, has struggled a bit with injuries. I don't know how that, I don't know who picks that up, but. Maybe it's the Lightning. Maybe the Lightning are like, hell, we're going <laughs> are find a way to do this. But anyways, I'm uh, interested to see what happens with Harry Sanko, Eichel, and the Atlantic Division uh, next year. That's what Bruins beat for this week. Uh, Connor, before you go, is there anything that you'd like to plug?
1: Yeah, we're going to be looking at a few other, uh, you know, potential offseason pickups for the Bruins. I think one guy who's an intriguing potential option is more of a third line guy is a Thomas Tatar who could be available. So, uh, he's a guy that's got quite the pedigree, also very underrated in terms of maybe some of his analytic numbers. So we'll, we'll do, we'll do a deep dive into that. Obviously the Kraken draft is upcoming. So we'll do another mock, uh, mock draft of that, which I don't think people are going to be very surprised with at this point. I think. The Bruins aren't going to be a team that's going to get really like smoked by the expansion draft like some other teams with who have a slew of you know key cogs up in the NHL roster. But we'll take a look at that as well. So all that will be over at Boston dot com. So uh, follow over at BSJ. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore ninety three.
0: Yeah, that cracking draft is coming up. I still am in the m- mode that it's like July first mm-hmm. or July fourth. It's we're currently recording July 12th, and this episode is on July 13th. The draft yes. is the 21st. It's yes. very soon. And it's again, so- when
1: that, when that happens, too, like I would not be surprised if like that draft is done, and like the next day, like Hall resigns, or like or other guy, like a lot of teams are gonna like be like typing into the transaction wire, getting stuff done because <laughs> that's really the thing that's slowing everything down at this point.
0: Yeah, and maybe Tatar's like the Michael Ryder, you know, going from the Canadiens to the Bruins. So maybe that's, maybe that's the thing there, huh? Anyways, that is Bruinsby for this week. That's Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky, you Bruinsby listeners. Have a great rest. Have your (laughs) week.